everybody. Welcome to our podcast, Geeta, a mantra for success. So in our last episode, hmm. we finished chapter one of the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. We spoke about uh, Duryodhana's mindset, why Arjuna was chosen to get the teachings of Gita mm-hmm. and Krishna's role as a charioter. And then we said, okay, we wrap up chapter one and we're moving on to chapter two of the Gita. Mm-hmm. Chapter 2 is a little complicated. It's a difficult one, mm. but Krishna actually starts his first teachings and it starts with the concept of the body and the soul. We're going to try our best to make it easy, mm-hmm. but Deepthi likes to add in more things about, you know, the Samkhya philosophy, Upanishads, the <laughs> Vedas. So I thought why don't we jump into that right now mm-hmm. because he's going to mention it multiple times. Mm. So I thought it's better to get your concepts, you know, clear. right yes. so we are going to use uh, these terminologies now and we are going to focus on learning a bit about these ancient hindu scriptures so what do you think deepu uh, that makes sense um, you know for some reason krishna decided to start with the most difficult concept some even suggest that if you are aware of the samkhya philosophy uh, you do not need to read the bhagavad gita i i personally think there is no way we can understand the entire concept of samkhya philosophy in one episode I want to tell everybody if you do not get this episode don't worry we'll just go with the flow and uh, maybe uh, watch the podcast one more time or <laughs> I'm sure Deepthi is going to write a blog about it and yes. you can read it mm-hmm. that'll help a little mm-hmm. anyway yeah. so how do you want to start uh, let's first look at how krishna reacts to arjuna's lamentation he he seems irritated right right um, just imagine you have given the biggest project to your most efficient manager okay and you are about to launch the project and this manager says i cannot do it what will be your reaction wow uh, <laughs> i'm not going to be happy yeah i'm definitely going to ask them what's going on mm. couldn't you have let us know a little before this mm. happened mm-hmm. i mean you know this you do you think this is the right time to tell people <laughs> the client is waiting and he's waiting for us to deliver a product yeah and you're just throwing everybody under the bus and it's not acceptable exactly you know krishna's uh, thinking at that time was along the similar lines okay. he says something like you know whereas your manhood gone it's mm-hmm. all rubbish uh, you will never achieve anything with such a faint hearted mindset it does not suit your personality you know says so something like that he seems to think that arjuna's speech it's not even worthy of a rest, uh, you know of a good response uh, because he really thinks that okay arjuna is very emotional and whatever he is saying at that time it is the product of emotional turmoil rather than uh, logical analysis okay i mean i think arjuna had some you know viable arguments hmm. but i also understands uh, krishna's thought process because that the timing was not right you're already at the battlefield so i can understand krishna's true true that's that's true but for the first time he says krishna you are my teacher just tell me what i should do now the first time he actually asks for advice till now he's just telling his mm-hmm, feelings mm-hmm. the first time he's like this is where i am help me mm-hmm. advise me exactly right. exactly and this is when krishna starts his spiritual teachings makes sense you know what is interesting about bhagavad gita krishna does not lead us from stage to stage of spiritual awareness he begins with this ultimate premise which is why do you worry about people dying because the body dies souls don't so you know he starts I mean, with this kind of yes <laughs> 
idea. That makes sense. <laughs> and Arjuna is already confused and lost and he needs help. Mm-hmm. And Krishna is here talking about the soul being eternal. And he's like, what are you talking about? You just confused me even more. I guess he didn't say that, but that's pretty much what he would be thinking. I think Krishna assumed that Arjuna was probably aware of this concept of body and soul. It's a very popular concept in Hinduism. That's true. But... No, no one gives importance to soul in a practical life, right? Arjuna is here mm-hmm. asking him what he should do. I've lost my confidence and I'm asking for help. Yeah. And you're talking about you're a soul, I'm a soul, <laughs> everyone is a soul, they don't die. He's like, yeah. you just told me to kill somebody and you said nobody dies, I'm confused. So it does not help a person who is confused and looking for an answer. And I don't think Arjuna was looking for a spirituality lesson at the time. But that was the crux of ancient philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Krishna is taking references from the Upanishads and the Sankhya philosophy at that right, time. Right, right. So why don't we take some time to quickly explain this terminology? What do you think? Why? Okay. I want to start by telling that we do not know everything. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk about the things we know, mm-hmm. the things we have read and we understand. Some things could be our uh, opinions and our understanding of the subject matter. Absolutely. So let me share what I know. Okay. The Hindu scripture mm-hmm. is divided into two. Mm. So one is Shruti, mm. another is Smriti. Okay. Shruti basically means that has been heard or communicated or passed on by tradition, you know, mm. from generation to generation. Mm. There are no authors. We don't know when it was written or mm. by who it was mm. written. Mm-hmm. That is all Shruti. Mm. And Smriti is something uh, we humans wrote and we are aware of the authors. Mm. And there are four Vedas Mm. that come under Shruti because they have been heard and communicated Mm -hmm. and passed on. Mm -hmm. One is the Rig Veda, which is the oldest. Okay. Then there's the Ajur Veda, Sama Veda and Atharva Veda, which is actually the last Veda. And it is comparatively recent compared to the other four Vedas. You know what? Someone recently posted Ayurveda is one of the Vedas. It is part of the Veda. It's definitely not one of the Vedas. There are only four Vedas. Mm. But Ayurveda is part of the Veda. Mm. Some people say it's part of Atharva Veda, which is true. Mm. But it's also, some parts of it is also in the Rig Veda. Ayurveda? Yes. Oh, very interesting. I didn't know about that. Okay. Mm. Now, each of these four Vedas are classified into different texts. There are texts on mantras, rituals. Now, Upanishads Mm. are actually the last part of each Veda. Right, So Upanishads are one of the texts that focus on philosophy and spiritual knowledge of the Vedas. And Krishna in the Gita you know, uses these as references. So Correct. you're telling me Upanishads are part of Vedas? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now other philosophies mm. like the Samkhya philosophy come under Smriti scripture because mm. as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. it was written and we know who the author is. Mm-hmm. Right? For example... Uh, Rishi Kapila or Sage Kapila Mm. was the founder of the Sankhya philosophy. I think uh, Rishi Kapila, he seems to be quite popular. Uh, Mm. He is mentioned in Buddhist and Zen texts too. Uh, I don't know if it's the same Kapila. I would think so. And Krishna uses the word Samkhya. Right. So clearly, obviously, Samkhya philosophy was one of the popular doctrines and was much before the Bhagavad Gita. So the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita is actually called Samkhya Yoga or the Yoga of Knowledge. It is a complicated uh, topic. Mm -hmm. But if you understand Samkhya philosophy or Samkhya Yoga, you pretty much don't need to read anything else. And it is one of the oldest one, but it's also very rational. Go on. I know you are a big fan of Samkhya philosophy. Okay. Gladly. Gladly. (laughs) 
For those who do not know the principle of Samkhya philosophy, it basically regards the universe as two independent realities. One okay. is Purusha, which mm-hmm. is technically the consciousness mm-hmm. or the Atman or the soul. Mm. The other one is Prakriti, which is matter. And Samkhya philosophy is also known for its theory of gunas. And we don't want to go too much into that right now. Mm. And, but we will just mention that, uh, you know, Sage Kapila developed a sophisticated system of gunas mm. and how Prakriti has three different qualities. Mm-hmm. One is Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. Mm-hmm. And how these, you know, all these three influence the human intelligence and ego. I think I've heard about this three distinct qualities, sattva, rasas and tamas in Ayurveda also. That is true. Samkhya philosophy mm-hmm. is the mother of Ayurveda, yoga and mathematics. Uh, that's why uh, yes. Ayurveda uses those three distinct qualities, sattva, rasas and tamas. Exactly. Okay. And I think, uh, like you said, yoga philosophy is in, uh, significantly influenced by Samkhya philosophy. For example, the core principle of uh, yoga uh, written mm-hmm. by Patanjali uh, his first sutra is Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha, which means yoga is the end of the fluctuation of the mind. Only when our mind stops fluctuating, we will see our true self, which means soul, I guess. Right. Patanjali's yoga sutras give us all the techniques and way of life with the sole purpose of how to control our fluctuating mind. That's not easy, but yes, I yeah. understand. So, I, But I think that is also again influenced by Sankhya philosophy. Absolutely. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot about the Vedanta school of philosophy. I know Krishna does not um, discuss this in the Gita, but I thought since we are discussing different philosophies, mm. maybe you want to just talk a little about uh, the Vedanta philosophy. Vedanta literally means Veda and Anta, end of Vedas. Veda and Anta is end, right? But not necessarily it has a negative meaning. Anta doesn't mean any okay. negative meaning. It also means, uh, you know, highest knowledge of all Vedas. You okay, know. you've finished all the Vedas, that's why it's end. You've learned that is one way of looking at okay. it, you know, positive way of looking at it. Okay, go on. So, uh, this I think the Vedanta philosophy is relatively new. Okay. So, there are three foundations or three systems of thoughts. Okay. Uh, one is they take a lot of references from Upanishads, mm-hmm. and there's something called Brahman Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita. So, Vedanta philosophy is relatively new. So, I don't think Krishna even knew about it. It's definitely after Krishna. After the Gita. Of course. There are different schools of Vedanta. Um, uh, some dualistic in nature and some non-dualistic. Whenever there is dualistic in nature, these schools are speaking about Lord Vishnu as one reality and Mm. uh, Atman or souls as the other. It's not like Samkhya philosophy where, says Kapila is talking about the nature and soul. I think I'll stick to uh, Sankhya philosophy. It is very (laughs) rational, logical, it makes sense. And like I mentioned before, Mm. it's an older philosophy. Uh, It is... Samkhya philosophy is the mother of mathematics, Ayurveda and yoga, as I mentioned. There are six schools of philosophy in India and this is the first one. But however, let me speak about Advaita uh, Vedanta, which is non-dualistic in nature. You might actually like this concept. Go on. Adi Sankaracharya, he made this Advaita Vedanta very popular some 1200 years ago. So it's relatively new. It's relatively new and I think he plays a big role in making Vedanta philosophy much more popular okay. in India. Um, so even today Vedanta philosophy is more popular than Sankhya, Sankhya philosophy, right? Right. So Adi, Adi Sankaracharya played a big role. So he agrees with the Samkhya philosophy that 
the soul or atman is distinguished from body right but adi sankracharya he argues every soul or atman is god he speaks about oneness which is um, brahman uh, the universe or force energy or mothership whatever you yeah, call it yeah <laughs> i like the force or mothership yeah okay it all part of it we are right. all part of it right and but he says aham atma brahman or aham brahmasmi which means i am brahman i am the universe you know when he says aham brahmasmi it means my atman or my soul is no different from the absolute truth because it's part of the same mothership like you say because it's all different parts and okay i can understand that i don't know basically i think he's saying i know i exist and that is the ultimate truth but that is fair enough i can live with that so mm-hmm. so shankaracharya did not believe in god i don't i won't say that he never denies god see see vedanta philosophy is theistic in nature right mm-hmm. so adi shankaracharya's philosophy rest on the view that brahman is the absolute truth however the notion of god or brahman cannot be equated with the idea of uh, deity or god it doesn't have any it doesn't have the same meaning that people have today or it, i think in his mind brahman is not some god with personality mm-hmm. uh you cannot pray to brahman and ask for oh please give me promotion or give me this moksha Abhi. yeah that is because you are you are, yeah he says you are brahman you are god so in that sense sankracharya's interpretation is non theistic in nature mm-hmm. but still he says there is something that binds all souls and we are all part of it that that makes sense we have already discussed it could be like uh, you know like the force in star wars or it could be like eva in avatar probably it's so basically samkhya philosophies and his uh, advaita vedanta's uh, mm. philosophies are very similar the only difference is he's saying all souls are all souls are part of something where in samkhya philosophy they're all individual souls they're all individual properties matter yeah. which is fine i understand not that big a difference but yeah slight difference slight difference okay. but again let's be mindful that there are other vedanta school of thoughts uh, that are more popular than sankracharya's and those schools they promote the concept of lord vishnu or krishna as the absolute truth and those scholars Mm-hmm. interpreted bhagavad gita so differently from how adi sankaracharya did yeah it happens everywhere mm-hmm. people interpret uh, the quran differently mm-hmm. or the bible differently mm-hmm. it's similarly they do it with bhagavad gita mm-hmm. so i understand anyway mm-hmm. i think we spoke about the samkhya philosophy and the vedanta philosophy i think it's time to go back to the bhagavad gita and talk about uh, chapter 2 and how krishna starts his teachings well krishna reminds arjuna about the nature of atman and purusha or soul that's right. how he starts obviously he takes references from the samkhya philosophy and he speaks about senses right he says you know when this this senses our senses whenever it contact any objects i think he's talking about prakriti here right uh, he says that person experiences pleasure and pain but he says those experiences are temporary they come and they go pretty much is telling arjuna that you know you are a wise person and you know you are atman you know being a wise person you should not be affected by such floating emotions he he's trying to tell him that he's much bigger than what his body is feeling right now right right uh, and and that's how he introduces the concept of atma or soul 
after he introduces the concept of atman or soul mm-hmm. he he pretty much is reminding arjuna that we are all souls uh you know he says that even if arjuna kills his grandfather or his teacher he's not actually killing them right which i find very it's tough to contemplate it's tough to contemplate uh, because you know he's saying that oh you're not killing them because their souls do not die he says like we you know souls are like you know how we change our clothes the souls change bodies right. so here he's i think he's talking about rebirth the concept that you find in upanishads and mm-hmm. i think the re, uh, the concept of rebirth is very popular in buddhism and jainism as well pretty much he's saying you know when you are born death is certain that makes sense but when one dies rebirth is certain as well because it's a cycle it's a cycle we don't know so you know he's pretty much asking like oh this guy guys are going th- these guys are not going to actually die die they are going to reborn again so why are you crying for the death of your people when their their souls are not dead Now even if I look at Krishna's argument and I'm a normal human being I'm not right. a wise person this statement looks very morally questionable to me it, it it almost sounds like he's saying okay you know what you can kill them because guess what their souls body dies but souls don't and now in my opinion that is kind of controversial I don't know if it is controversial but it is uh, <laughs> come on all right it depends how you look at it I guess but I think I understand what he's trying to do Really? He's trying to make us conscious about uh you know atman or the soul. Mhm. My me personally the concept of rebirth I'm not taking any stance okay. right because nobody knows. No one can prove it or no one can disprove it. Mhm. So I just let it be. But I think his idea of being aware of your inner consciousness can be applied in daily life. Hmm. Right? You will be more mindful of how you live, how you think, act or react. Mm-hmm. And your lifestyle can be dramatically different for the better. Of course. So I can see why he wanted to start with uh, Samkhya Yoga in the beginning. It might be a little tougher topic, but it's a good start. You know, start with the big guns. So that's pretty much. I really think you need to be in a certain kind of mind mindset, or you know, certain frame of mind to take such a higher level of knowledge. Oh, absolutely. You know, had it been Yudhishthira, perhaps that might have worked. So here you are talking about Arjuna. Mm. He's confused. Right. He's doubting himself. He's nervous. He's panicking. He's losing his confidence. And Krishna starts with, "Guess what, buddy? Your soul. Everyone is soul. Guess what? Even if you kill him, you won't kill him." So for any normal person going through confusion, it's normal to think, "Why should I fight again if I am a soul?" Why should I be the person to kill if we are all souls? You know, if somebody comes and tells me that, I would probably say, "Why should I?" Even, even act, act right? right like so this concept of atman and soul can actually mislead us if we int- misinterpret the message people can misinterpret the message mm-hmm. but again like i said i think the bhagavad gita is giving you just different options because this is just a start right mm. so this is giving you different options of how you can find inner peace mm. right so first in the first teaching krishna is basically telling you rise above the life's dualities and identify with your higher consciousness right mm-hmm, or your mm-hmm. your true self mm-hmm. he's basically asking arjuna to detach himself from the regular emotions hmm. of you know pain or pleasure in this mm-hmm. case it's pain mm-hmm. right and i think there's a great leadership and life mantra here really tell yes. me mm-hmm. i think one should not get carried away or get too attached with either success or failure <laughs> if you get too attached let's mm. say for an example success mm. you can become obnoxious and arrogant and mm. think too much of yourself or you'll be full of yourself mm-hmm. and with failure 
you can become desperate depressed or sad either way it's not good thank you thank you <laughs> a great lesson <laughs> i think you got it but arjuna did not <laughs> i'm not standing in the battlefield so it's easy for me to say it. yeah and i think krishna notices that arjuna is not comfortable with whatever he is saying mm-hmm. and and this is not a theme that krishna pursues in any great detail after this initial so he tries and see it doesn't go out no. very well so he just moves to a different one go on no he does not dwell on this topic for long he okay. realizes that arjuna is not in that kind of mindset to get this kind of higher level of spiritual knowledge at that time uh, and he quickly moves to the second teaching which is all about our social duties and karma yoga and and these are the topics we should be looking forward to okay great great <laughs> uh, so krishna started with this complex topic mm. but if you break it down like we tried to do it's not that complicated but having said that let me uh, quickly summarize we spoke a lot about soul mm. then we also spoke about two categories of the hindu scriptures shruti and smriti mm. we talked about the four vedas which come under shruti Ayurveda is not one of the four Vedas but a part of it and so are the Upanishads. Mm. We also discussed the Samkhya philosophy which is dualistic in nature. It speaks about the relationship between the soul and nature. We also distinguished the difference between Samkhya and Vedanta philosophy in particular uh, Advaita Vedanta mm-hmm. by uh, Adi Shankaracharya. Mhm. Oh that was a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. So with that any mantras for today this was not an easy topic so what i understood there is a soul and it is eternal right yeah i think we can all agree on uh, that go on but how we can apply this mantra in our practical life that is difficult yeah it's a soul i mean you can't see it it's mm. tough to you know visualize i think my biggest takeaway from krishna's first teaching is we have this uh, continuous and infinite energy or soul mm-hmm. and that never ends and if anything that energy or that soul that we have within us it transforms yeah it's just like uh, basic laws of physics i still do not think i can be that enlightened soul where i feel no pain or pleasure as krishna said but i think understanding that our inner soul is influenced by prakriti or nature my mantra will be let's be mindful about how we are letting these external forces or elements or senses influence us makes sense be very mindful yeah because we become what we think right yeah. if our mind thinks we are angry we become angry Ang- people yeah pretty much <laughs> if our mind thinks we are happy we become happy people right. so it's really about our mind to be mindful about our emotion and just focus on nurturing our that inner soul or inner atma probably you know make it a peaceful and happy soul happy atma if it must leave my body one day and if it is eternal and if it's going somewhere why you know let it go in peace i think that's why it says you may your soul rest in peace yes, that's exactly <laughs> that but it all depends on what you've done through your life in the last moment before you die you can't suddenly make it peaceful really yeah but <laughs> yeah. every day you're killing people and shouting at people and suddenly the last 5 minutes you're going to be peaceful you can't you so. seem to know a lot about souls and atman <laughs> I mean, it makes a uh, logical sense to me so okay. that's the reason anyway that's the topic uh, krishna chose to begin with mm. and the thing is you know be kind to yourself and mm. try to be happy and i think we should wrap up here okay. this was krishna's first teaching mm. in our next episode we will continue with chapter 2 this is only one part of chapter 2 at this point like deepthi mentioned krishna shifts 
to a different path and he talks about the social duties dharma or karma yoga and we'll talk about that that'll be an interesting topic uh thanks again for being a part of our conversation we'll be back with the next episode thank you thank you